Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn about our podcast, daily devotional, how to contact us, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 about what the Lord sees as sexual immorality. All right, would you take your Bibles? Two places I'd like you to go. 1 Corinthians 6 and Psalm 139, okay? 1 Corinthians 6, Psalm 139. We're going to read from 1 Corinthians 6 first. This is the passage for this morning. We're going to pick it up in verse 12 as we move verse by verse through 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 1 Corinthians, the entire book. But we're in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, and here's what Paul says. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? And let me just pause here for a second and just say, uh, this sermon is adult content. So if you have some young ones, I just want to give you a heads up that we are getting into some adult content. So I'll leave it up to you parents to determine if you want the younger ones to stay. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. 16. Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he, or God says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Fathers, we uh, tackle your word and we get into a section that is certainly challenging, just like just about every part of the Bible. It certainly is so contra our uh, cultural uh, values these days. This will certainly um, run against those and perhaps even offend many. However, it is your word. And when Paul uh, makes his argument, he appeals to the sanctity of the body. That it's a creation of God that it is a place where God, if you're a Christian, dwells, and it is a place to be used for His purposes. Lord, we know that You created intimacy for a purpose. You, it's Your idea. Forgive us for how we have taken what You uh, said would be beautiful and powerful, and we've sadly muddied and dirtied it. But we know with you there's forgiveness and amazing grace. And many of us can say we come from sexual brokenness in one way or the other. We've all sinned and fallen short of your glory. 
This is an area of life where it seems to be a dominant sin. But we know your grace is sufficient. And I pray that you would both speak truth to us so that we can be challenged, but put salve on our hearts where we have failed. Knowing that you died for every sin we've ever committed. We commit this time to you. Pray that you would be glorified in it. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may have noticed that in the section we just read together, the word body is used nine times in nine verses. One of the, uh, in the New American Standard, one time it says bodies, plural. But you see body, body, body over and over and over again. And so the word body in Greek is soma. And it does speak of your physical body, your, your creation of God, the body that you're in right now. And it also has a wider application to the whole of you or your personality. Many of you have memorized Romans 12, 1 and 2, and you know that it tells you there to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable service in view of His great mercy. God made your body. Sometimes what we do in Christian apologetics is we use something called the cosmological argument. And that is, we make an argument for God's existence from the creation. And we often will talk about the stars and we'll talk about, uh, you know, a bird soaring in the uh, sky. Or we'll talk about the distance of the moon from the earth or the sun or six million forms of plants and animals and all these kinds of things. But one thing that I just want to place in your mind if you haven't thought about this before, perhaps haven't used it before, is the incredible creation of your body. Your body is a testimony to the fact that there is a great designer who made you with great detail. Now, we had Nazareth here on Friday night. How many of you uh, saw Nazareth? He was extremely funny, and he, he was talking about, you know, we're made in the image of God, but we do live in a fallen world, and some of us have been hit harder by the fall than others. And that was a kind of a funny moment. He was talking about, he, it was self-deprecating humor. He's talking about you lose your hair and, you know, he's using the word ugly, but anyway, we won't go there for our purposes. But the point is that when you look at your body, and I could read a section that I pulled from the internet. I'm not going to read the section, but I'll just tell you, here's what it was saying. It was talking about, the way that your eyes are designed and how the, a camera is designed to somehow try to follow the creation of your eye. How much information your brain actually holds. It catalogs libraries and libraries of information. Um, how much blood your heart pumps in a single day. It's gallons upon gallons upon gallons. It's just, it's just amazing. And for our purposes this morning, one of the things that we can see from the design of the body is that God has even included reproduction and intimacy. And he's created you, male and female, in the image of God to fit together in that sense, to find beauty and connection with another individual. Now, the way God designed this from the beginning is found in Genesis 2.24, and it says this, for this cause... A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Hebrew experts say the one flesh statement there 
primarily, although it has other meanings, it could speak of you know, oneness and friendship, it could speak of oneness in terms of your union with the Lord, two Christians walking in the Spirit, but, but the one flesh expression is primarily about coming together in marriage in intimacy. That a male and female, when they come together in the sexual act, become one. And they experience a closeness that cannot really be known with another human being. Now we know that even though that's God's creation, as we read our Bibles, we read the Old and New Testaments, we can see how even heroes that we would all say, you know, our names that we could quickly think of made their mistakes in this area. One man that comes to mind quickly is David who fell in adultery with Bathsheba and paid that price. When David talks about the creation of the body, this is where I want you to look at Psalm 139 for a sec. And I'm going to read from the NIV. It has it uh, beautiful here. And uh, this is something that a lot of you have heard before. But this is Psalm 139. going to read uh, 13 through 16. David says, You... Psalm 139, 13, you created my inmost being. If you have a New Living Translation, it says you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. Psalm 139, 13, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, 16, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now in our culture, we know in the 60s and now today, there is uh, this push towards what people would categorize as sexual freedom. And what that really means to most people is that I want to be able to do what I want to do with whoever I want to do it, whenever I want to do it, and no one's going to tell me what I should do. That's kind of the message in the culture today. And it's moved into the abortion debate where many of you have heard this being said by people. I even heard this a couple days ago in a debate going back and forth between a pro-lifer and a pro-choicer. And the pro-choice person said, it is my body and it is my choice. Have you heard that before? So I don't want anybody, I don't want any law telling me what I can do. And usually it's couched in this way. It's between me and my doctor. It's my body. And so, you know, basically back off. If somebody could put a bumper sticker on their life, it might be back off, you know, buster. Who are you to tell me what to do? And in one sense, it's true. It is your body. Your body is a gift from God. It's been specially designed and created by God. But in another sense, your body is not yours, especially if you're a Christian. In fact, we just read at the end of the section that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Uh, In the next sermon we're going to do, and this is in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, look at verse 4. Just to look ahead for a moment, it says the wife, 7-4, does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Hey, we want to say thank you so much to the new financial partners for joining us in our mission to broadcast on more radio stations and to do more free apologetic teaching events. Our need of $3,000 a month for next year is now down to $2,660, thanks to eight new monthly commitments. We've had some one-time donors too, and we're really grateful because that helped out our overall budget. I want to make it clear that we're not saying help us or we'll disappear from the radio station. The Lord and our existing partners have made it possible to be on this awesome station. Hello, I'm Sydney from Norco, California, and we support Walk in Truth because uh, our son, as a young child, I would listen to Christian radio and he would sit in the entryway and play his Legos. And years later, this was probably ages 7 to 12 maybe, and when he was in his 40s is when he told me that a lot of the Bible that he knew and learned and the reason that he was a faithful Christian was because of Christian radio. And so that's why I think it's important to support this and so that people do hear the Word of God, and you never know uh, who else in the house is listening and learning from it. We're asking for a new partnership with you. If we can now get 89 more listeners to commit to giving at least $30 a month, we can reach our goal and join more radio stations and do more events to reach the community. And did we mention that some of those stations are secular ones? We want to reach people that might not have even heard the gospel before. So please commit what you can. Please click the Donate button on walkintruth.com. Our goal is still to reach $2,660 a month before the end of the year so we can get rolling on our plans. So please visit walkintruth.com and click Donate. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And usually it's couched in this way. It's between me and my doctor. It's my body. And so you know, basically back off. If somebody could put a bumper sticker on their life, it might be back off, you know, buster. Who are you to tell me what to do? And in one sense, it's true. It is your body. Your body's a gift from God. It's been specially designed and created by God. But in another sense, your body is not yours, especially if you're a Christian. In fact, we just read at the end of the section that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Uh, in the next sermon we're going to do, and this is in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, look at verse 4, just to look ahead for a moment. It says, The wife, 7, 4, does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So you can see that the Bible talks about the fact that you have to kind of broaden your your scope in terms of how you look at your body. Because maybe you've been buying the cultural argument and you don't really have a biblical worldview when it comes to your body. Maybe you just don't. Could I challenge you that if you would be quickly offended by this sermon, that you would just pause for a moment and, and ask this question. If you consider yourself a Christian, will you at least hear the case for the Christian worldview? Will you hear what the Bible has to say? And I'm talking to people who will listen to this message later uh, on other mediums that we put it out, even the radio. And I'm going to ask you the question, will you give the Christian worldview a hearing? Let me say this to you. Just so you know, God is not some ogre in the sky or some cosmic killjoy. 
He created the sexual relationship for both pleasure and for progeny or reproduction. God does not want to ruin your fun, but he has given boundaries by which he says, this is where I will bless the sexual relationship and this is where I will not bless it. And so you have to determine whether you're going to get on board with what God said about where he's going to bless the sexual relationship. He wants it to be a relationship where you experience oneness and pleasure. And by the way, that's not wrong. The Song of Solomon, if you've ever read the Song of Solomon, has an incredible, we might even call it erotic treatment of love. And it is something that might make most even modern readers blush a bit. But they celebrate that they can find satisfaction and pleasure in one another's bodies. And as Christians, we need to know that that's not wrong. Because sometimes we send a message to the culture that that's a taboo topic. No, God created it. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 5, uh, just to give you a little sample of it, it uh, the writer says these words, It says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. That's just a sample of what the Bible says. So God is not saying you cannot enjoy this area, but he's saying I want you to do it my way and in my time within the context of marriage. And Hebrews 13.4 says the marriage bed is undefiled. You don't have to be embarrassed about that. In the context of marriage, this is where you should have a beautiful oneness with your spouse. And you can celebrate that and enjoy that. And there is obviously powerful connection in that. But sadly, in the Corinthian culture, just like in our culture, they took it out of its proper context. And so... There was all kinds of excuses that they were making, and it would appear that they even were living by what many believe are slogans. So here's the, the first one that everybody, I think just about everybody agrees, is some sort of slogan that the Corinthian church or culture had embraced. Look at verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6. It says, all things are lawful for me. Now, if you have an NIV, you might notice that's in quotes because the majority of scholars believe that all things are lawful for me is a slogan in the Corinthian church. Now, there are others, or in the Corinthian culture, there are others that argue that they took a, Paul's teaching about grace, that you're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's not by works. It's not by merit. You're saved completely by grace. And somehow they took that teaching and then determine, okay, if I'm saved by grace and my works have nothing to do with it, then all things are lawful for me. I can, I can do whatever I want. You may know somebody who claims to be a Christian, and that is their mantra. You're saved by grace, so you can do whatever you want. It's no big deal. Or they might even say, well, God will forgive you, so if you got that one wrong, it's cool, because grace, 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 grace. But Paul does say in Romans that you never use grace as what? an excuse for sin. And whenever you sin, what ends up happening is you pay a price. You never sin in a vacuum, and especially sexual sin has has a more more of an impact on the person, and we'll, we'll see that in a verse to come. 
So, all things are lawful for me. Perhaps this was something that they were saying in the Corinthian congregation. All things are lawful for me. Do you know, do you have some friends that live by slogans like this or snappy sound bites? If it feels good, do it. And sometimes people, I'm shocked that people don't even think through the sound bites that they live by. I remember I, I was talking to a guy and he quoted from a poem that was written by an atheist. And he said, that was written by a Christian, right? And I was like, no, that was written by an atheist. And basically the poem was about a, a person being the master of their own soul and the master of their own destiny. And he, he had lived several decades believing that that was written by a Christian. And I said, no, that is contrary to the Christian view. God's the master of your destiny, not you. And so it, it interests me that people will uh, kind of embrace these things and they become things by which they live their lives and make decisions. Maybe the Corinthians would say it's something like, like this. Free of restraints, definitions, or inhibitions. I don't have to restrain myself in this area. The, there was a Greek teaching that was kind of codified or became a system called Gnosticism. And one view of Gnosticism was captured in an idea, sorry for the big words, of antinomianism. Simply just means no law. And in some schools of Gnostic thought, they said all that really matters is your soul or spirit. It doesn't matter what you do with your body because your body is matter and all matters evil. So this came from some philosophy from Plato, and it developed over time. And so basically what they said is this, you can do whatever you want with your body because it doesn't affect your spirit. People say it this way today, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does know your heart, but he also does care about what you do with your body. And sometimes what we do is we, we use little catchphrases to justify sinful behavior. Let's face it, when we know it's wrong, we know we're outside of the scope of God's will. We know there are Bible verses that are clear that we are violating, yet we can find some way to say, well, oh, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does. And he knows what you're doing, too. <laughs> he knows how you're justifying your behavior with snappy catchphrases that are really more about the culture than they are about Scripture. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and that was part one of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 called Your Body, His Temple. Since Thanksgiving's tomorrow, we'd like to say how thankful we are for you. Thanks for listening to our program. Thanks for joining Pastor Michael and the folks at Living Truth as they study through the books of the Bible, and for showing up to one of our apologetics events, for praying for this ministry's growth and influence and for giving financially and partnering in the mission to get the gospel out there. So thank you, and God bless. If you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, the online store, or become a financial partner, visit our website, walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word today. Well, we have a question before us today. How can I talk to my kids about sexual immorality? Well, my kids are older now. I have three boys that are in their 20s, and uh, I'm only 29. Just kidding. <laughs> but hey, you know, one of the things that I learned growing up, I listened to a lot of the programs like Focus on the Family and Family Life, 
accessed their website, grabbed books about parenting, and there's appropriate times to share appropriate information. And one thing that you can do with your kids as is age appropriate is begin to introduce them to God's plan for marriage and healthy sexuality. And I believe when you're introducing them to the right things, like from Genesis 1 and 2, they're going to begin to understand what the wrong things are. You begin to talk about God's plan for marriage and God's plan for one man and one woman to come together. And again, emphasis on age appropriate, but I think you can do that and you can get some help from some of the ministries that are out there that do a great job with this. And that's how you can talk to your kids about some of these issues. You know, we do have things going on in the world, social media, uh, public schools, secular humanism, a lot that's coming at your kids. So you want to make sure they have a biblical worldview and that's best coming from you. Hey, well, tomorrow is Thanksgiving and I want to encourage you to invite someone to your dinner. You know, maybe there's someone in your fellowship, maybe there's someone in your neighborhood who doesn't have anywhere to go. What a great thing, you know, hospitality is a way to express the hope of the gospel. And hospitality is about opening not only your home, but your heart to others. This is the heart of Christ. And so I want to encourage you, if you have a big Thanksgiving celebration and someone you know is going to be alone, open up your home and your heart to them. It's a great way to not only show the love of Christ, but it may be even a good time to mend a broken relationship. Think about it. Pray about it. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll catch you tomorrow on Walk in Truth. Tune in tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 about sexual immorality and understanding that God has a reason for rules about sex. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth and, as always, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.